you have gained 10 pounds in the last week, don't raise your hand because that would be embarrassing. Uh, since they need to put uh, a little restraint in your eating. But, um, hey, listen, Christmas has come. We are three days past it. We're coming, in, up, up, coming up on the, the new year of 2015. And as we step into the upcoming year and we look back, what Harvest had us do this morning of, of really looking back, I, I love that. We see David says that in the scripture. He says, he says, remember, why, O downcast, O my soul, remember all that God has done. In fact, the, the, the nature of the story in Deuteronomy, when you see in Deuteronomy, it's just the, the, the Shema, and I think it's in chapter 6, they come in, and he basically says, listen, I want you to come all the time and remind your family, remind your children all the time to remember the story of God. The people that we are, the people of God, and the story of God, of his faithfulness of his movement, of his investment into his children and into his creation and recognize that if he did it, then he is doing it and he will continue to do it always. That's the the telling of the story is for the purpose of remembering, not so we can just think of the past, but so we can catapult us and move us us forward. And so our story then of sitting back, even of looking back at the year in our own personal lives that Harvest had us do, is is recognizing God's movement. I I appreciate so much her naming that some of us may have had a year from hell. Or at least it felt like that. I I just happened to glance at Gary, and Gary's just kind of giving the I know chuckle, right? We've been praying for his his grandson, Wilkes, who had this incredible, Terrible, terrible disease, and now he's finally gone home, right? But you look back upon this, their, their, their past year, and it's been overwhelming. And so many of us have these stories and memories of it was overwhelming, but my belief is that even in those moments, because God has been faithful, that he is faithful, he was faithful to you. And so we say, Jesus, may that year never happen again, Right? But we thank you that you were with us. We thank you that you love us, that you were for us. And God, we are continuing to move forward. We looked at the, at the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and we focused in on those words of the, of the angels who said, Behold, I bring you good news. I bring you good news of great joy. That's for all the people today in the town of David, a Savior the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who's been sent to set you free, has been born. And we talked about a few weeks ago just the, the perspective that the angels must have had in the moment, who, who had literally watched Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, in this, this creation, the formation of humanity and the beauty of all the creation. And they watched as as human beings gave in to sin, and they watched as everything that was beautiful now was marred. And the perspective now of, of standing here before the shepherds and saying, it's good news, God, we've seen, we've experienced, and we know all of this, and Jesus, God is coming. He is Emmanuel. He's going to be God, not just near you, but God with you. And so it's good news. We celebrate this 
reality of good news, this, this most simplified in the fact that Jesus saves, that Jesus comes to save, right? He saves us from hell, from this eternal separation. He saves us from, from spiritual death. He, he saves us from the power and the effects of sin on creation, wanting to renew and to restore. It's a beautiful, a beautiful recreation of sorts. A beautiful movement of God, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit upon this people. But I wonder this morning in the context of, of thinking about Jesus saves and thinking about good news or saved from, I wonder this morning if we've really ever stopped to ponder the depth and the degree of what Jesus, of what Jesus came to save us from. Like, have you ever stopped to think about the, the and pondered the impact of the fall, the impact of sin on creation? Like, if you're stopped just to, to, and you don't want to spend too long because it become overwhelming, but, but like saying, Jesus, lead me into a journey through understanding the, the power and the impact and the, and the reality of what the fall looked like of death and the separation from God and the power of sin and not, listen, and not just selfishly the impact that it has on me, but the impact that it literally has had on all of God's creation. Plant life, trees, right? The water system, the ecosystem, and everything that's around us that we thought and ever wondered and pondered the reality of the fall on all of humanity and all of creation. Because when we really begin to ponder that and begin to think through that, we recognize it is overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Because we've never really sat back to think the reality of it, how overwhelming and how powerful the ramifications of the fall, of the brokenness entering into, into creation, how overwhelming it was. Have you ever stopped to really ponder the fate of, of those who lived eternally separated from God, who literally are separated from God as we speak, living apart from the power of his love, who, who live never knowing the full degree of his, of his joy, the full degree of his freedom, have never really tasted of the love of God. Like, do you know people who, when you're around them, you know they've probably never been loved or at least have not been loved in a long time? And their life and the brokenness that seemingly is a part of that, the, the separation, this individualism they live in. I'm not saying everybody, but you know, you know what I'm getting at. This, these people who just live really separated from the power of love and, and just this brokenness that can define their lives. Have we pondered the nature of what it looks like to live in the ramifications and the power of the fall the power of sin entering in the world, the power of brokenness. You see, when we think about our lives in a spiritual sense, when we think about the people of God, there's this true reality that we must ponder in the context of remembrance of what we have been saved from. So often we forget in the context of our lives of what we have been saved from, of where we are today and how fortunate we are and how blessed we are. We live in the context of, of this love of God, of what he has saved us from. But I would say this morning 
The depth and degree of what Jesus has saved us from, we cannot forget. It's overwhelming, it's powerful, and it's rich. And we can never forget what we've been saved from. So we then create this clear picture this morning, which then leads us to what I believe is the next logical step. We've been saved from, but I would say this, and I want you to hear this. To the degree which we have been saved from becomes a degree to which we are saved for. Hear that again. That should be profound for some of us this morning to think about. The degree to which we have been saved from, we just named it. How overwhelming and powerful and rich that is. The degree to which we have been saved from becomes a degree to which we now are saved for. And my notes have an exclamation point at the end saying it's important. You've taken English. We've all taken English. Exclamation point. It's even in quotes to kind of set aside in its own little world over here. Listen, we all have heard of Sir Isaac Newton and his laws of motion. And his third law of motion says this. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. You remember that from back in like middle school for the real smart people like me, people like in, in high school when I learned that, right? Like this, this third law of Newton that every for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So the video that I watched, because I needed like pictures to help me understand things, I, you see someone and all you see are their hands and they're like this, which is a movement about to push something, right? And then they show this nice serene lake with a really pretty canoe on it. And all of a sudden you see this person go like this, and they lean forward, put their hands on the canoe, and then they have an action of pushing. And then what does the canoe do? It moves, doesn't it? Because for every action of pushing, there's an opposite and equal reaction of moving. So to the degree to which I push, if I push a little, it moves a little. If I push a lot, I mean, I'm so strong, it moves a lot, Right? All these muscles. So for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And so for every action of being saved from, in the context here of, our, of this of, of, of scripture and the work of Jesus, in the context of this action of being saved from, and how big and overwhelming and powerful it is, there's an opposite and equal reaction of what we have been saved for. And how it impacts you, how it impacts us, and how it impacts creation. And so in this context then of of being saved from, we have been saved for, and the degree to which we have been saved from, and creation has been saved from, so now too we have been saved from. For, and creation has been saved for, we don't simply look at what the good news did for us yesterday and focus only on remembrance, but we recognize that what it means for us today and then what it means for us tomorrow. Because I sit around people all the time and all they do are tell stories about yesterday. But Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And the whole context of what Isaiah is saying, listen, stop telling stories that only point to yesterday, but recognize what God is doing today and what he's doing tomorrow. Do you not perceive it? And so in our lives, as we step 
from this year into the next, and we remember and we, we love our remembrance or struggle with our remembrance, we recognize God's faithfulness, we recognize we're stepping from and into for the purposes of what God has for us. We've been saved from because we are saved for. This morning, I'll look at 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, going through verse 12. And I want to begin to, I want to use this as a, this is this marker. There's lot, I mean, lots of things you can read and invest into to kind of see this. But I want to look at 1 John 4 this morning, starting in verse 7, going to verse 12. Turn your Bibles there if you want to. Look on the screen. It simply says this. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God's love is in us, and his love is made complete in us. So let's all look at verse 10. It's the starting point, I believe, of the conversation. It's right in the middle of this, but really is a starting point. It says this. It says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his sons in atoning sacrifice. What I want you to see right here is this. This verse paints the picture of all we were saved from. We were saved from the sins, our sins, the power of sin, right? We didn't earn it. We didn't love God, according to verse 10, and cause him to move. We didn't make him move, right? He moved in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our brokenness, right? In the midst of our separation from him. And he loved us. He loved us. And this, my friends, listen, this is the good news. In the context of our brokenness, in the context of our separation, in the context not being able to earn anything or love him or prove anything of value to him, God said, I love you. I love all of you. And I'm going to move on your behalf. I'm going, to, I'm going to come in my power, in my goodness, and in my love and express the fullness of what love means. I'm going to give my own stuff. I'm going to give myself. And I'm going to make you one. I'm going, to, I'm going to provide this way for a relationship. And so all we're seeing here in verse 10 is the good news. It's the gospel, the gospel right? The sins, the separation, and brokenness or what we have been saved from. God has come. He's moved in our lives. This is all we've been talking about. This is not new to you. It's the good news. God loved us when we were unlovable and made a way for relationship with him. This is the good news, right? Verse 9, then, it's basically a picture of what we've been saved from. The power of our sins. The power of our brokenness. Verse 9, then, paints the picture, then, we might miss it of what we've been saved for. And I want you to see this. God sent his one and only son into the world, the good news, that we might live through him. And here in this verse lies the opposite and equal reaction of what we've been saved for. The purpose of God's act was not just to save us from our sins. We can always look back and say, I remember when you did this, that's great, but to set us on a journey so from that moment that we would then begin to fully live and to live 
through him to live. And so what we get here is we've been saved from the power of sins to be saved for living fully through him. Press pause. Right the last night even. She's like, hey, Steve, tomorrow, sometime soon, let's sit down and, and work on talk about goals for the year. Now, if you don't know Randall, this is one of her favorite things to do. From the very first time I met her, she loves setting goals. She loves goals, and she's really good at fulfilling these goals, right? Part of her personality and strength finders is she's a goal setter. She likes to move and, and accomplish things. So we said last night, she's like, let's set some goals for ourselves. Like that puberty I'm going through right there, right? <clears throat> We're going to set goals for ourselves. And so, so many of us are in this place this year, even, of saying, yes, let's set some New Year's resolutions, whatever we're going to fulfill. It's going to be great, right? Let's set some goals for ourselves, things we want to aspire to, things we want to move towards. And so, so I want to just lay this out for you this morning. When we talk about this, these goals and where we're going, what we're doing, to consider, one, all that I've been saved from, to remember God's power, his goodness, and his love for us, and to set as a goal now of living through him, because I've been saved for this purpose. To live through him, to live fully in Christ. And so as we go through this this morning, I want you to see this as something that God has for us. He wants to do in us and awaken in us and lead us to do as in living our life fully through him. And so I want to just kind of make this quote for you from Brooke, uh, Brooke uh, Foss Westcott. He says this. Real simply, God's act has as its intention not just our salvation, but our living. And that's kind of what we're getting at this morning. God's act has as its intention not just our salvation from, right, but our living. What's our salvation for? Why are we here? Have you ever heard someone say, I had a near-death experience... And it so rattled me that it's changed my life forever. When I realized what I was saved from, I can't help now but live for something and do something. And it's kind of along those lines. That we live in this context of remembrance, of recognizing now it catapults us to live for something. So the idea of living, when it says here in verse, uh, verse 9, right, we might live through him, it's taken from the Greek word zao, Z-A-O, zao. And it literally refers to new life found in Christ, a brand new quality of life, a supernatural life birth out of our union with Jesus. So when you, when you enter into relationship with Jesus, you've been saved from, you basically now are a new creation, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that empowered Jesus' living while He was here on earth, and it now resides in us. And to think that we can live, that our life is not to, not to amount to anything because we don't have what Jesus had would be a lie because we now have His Spirit living inside of us to empower us to live the life that He has for us so we can truly live. We can truly live. And the world in which we live we all intuitively understand that there is a world of difference between existing and living. There is a chasm between what it means to just exist and what it means to, to live. All human beings exist, but not all of them 
truly live. Jesus made that statement that we love to quote all the, all the time when life is bad, John 10.10. 10. He came that we might have life and have it to the full. Don't we love that verse? We actually then, then, then we usually define for Jesus what we want him to mean by that. We're really good at doing that. But he came that we might have life and have it to the full. But then he goes on, he says, but, but this part I love, he says, to have it to the full, we have life. But not even just life. We have life to the full or in abundance or life abundantly or life in abundance. This is the idea of living. Zao, this new creation, this new life in Jesus, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. William Barclay says this, the very eagerness with which human beings seek pleasure shows that there is, a, there is something missing in their lives. Jesus gives us an object for which to live. He gives us strength by which to live. And he gives us peace in which to live. Living with Christ turns mere existence into fullness of life. And our struggle then is in the context of this abundant and full life is it doesn't mean a life void of hardship. It doesn't mean life void of struggles. I mean, there are lots of pastors and preachers who preach an anti-gospel gospel. They say, God wants you to be happy all the time. God wants you to be victorious in all that you do. And then they def- but we define what that means, that we never have defeat. We never struggle. We never face hardship. And that's just not true, is it? It's an anti-gospel. Turn those people off when you're listening to them, or pray that God would convict them of their sin of lying to the body and to the world. Because the truth is, in the context of our life, there are hardship and there are struggles. They're a part of everyone's existence. And so a full life does not mean a life void of them. Instead, it refers to an eternal, and I would say internal joy, that defines life. It is a uniting and community and family with Jesus and with brothers and sisters in Christ in the midst of our struggles. It gives us an eternal purpose that defines our lives together. Because I don't know about you, but if there is a purpose for which my life has been designed for to, to, to bring the kingdom on earth, as has already been spoken in heaven, to go make disciples of all nations, therefore living a life of service before a loving God, if my life then has purpose, then when I go through hardship, when I go through struggles, and when I go through difficulty, I recognize it's not in vain. And so that our full life is not just experientially everything's great and grand and happy all the time, but it means that in the midst of everything, whether it is good times or difficult times, there is a joy that of knowing God, a, 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 a joy and beauty of being part of family and community together, and a purpose beyond just myself that defines my existence. So when I wake up and go to work, to work from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and I'm like, oh, this is so good but there's a joy, is that the full life? Well, it can be if Jesus, his relationship with you and the purpose which you've been created defines all of your existence so you live every moment in the context of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus and his love for you. And then the call that he has. So that's what we're going to define these, these things this morning. Our salvation 
was not just a salvation from, but was a salvation for a life fully lived. This fullness of life. Expressed two ways in these verses, probably more, but these are the two I'm pulling out. Life fully lived is expressed, one, by first experiencing the love of Jesus. True life, I believe, is birth out of God's love for us. Tim Keller, he said this, I love this. He said, the power of the good news comes in two movements. It first says, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe, right? Say from. But then it quickly, quickly follows with, I am more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. I love that. I love that. I'm going to read it again because I like it. I am more sinful. And so the power of the good news comes in two moments. It first says, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever did. Yes, it's a remembrance. It's a remembrance of, of knowing what I'm safe from. It's this knowledge of what I'm safe from. But then it quickly, quickly, quickly follows with, but I am more accepted in love than I ever dared hope. Verse 9 tells us God's love is demonstrated, expressed in Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see two things about the love of God. First, it is a love that holds nothing back. God was prepared to give his only son, make a sacrifice. Not just what he's prepared, but he did give his only son, make a sacrifice beyond which no sacrifice can possibly go in his love for men. Right? This beautiful sacrifice on behalf of us and behalf of creation, expressing the fullness of love, right? The second, it is, a to, it, is, it is totally undeserved. We didn't deserve it. Something powerful about a love that's given to someone who does not deserve it. Listen, it makes sense for us to love Jesus. When you look at all that he did for us, I mean, it makes sense for us to respond like, Oh my gosh, I love you, because that's not what you do when someone does something really nice for you. It's like, you want to love them? So when we, we see what Jesus has done for us, and yes, it makes sense. But I mean... I mean, listen, I know we're all egotistical and narcissistic and think we're worthy of love, but we're not. You're not that great. I'm not that great, apart from the image of Jesus inside of me. But God loved us fully, and he loved us completely. And this is the nature of his love for us. Therefore, for us to be fully alive, it is imperative. Listen, this is important. Don't you hear these, these words? For us to be fully alive, it is imperative that we have our mind, our will, and our emotions awakened to the fullness of his love. Isn't the fullness of our being, our, our mind, our logic, the things that we know, our will, the, that part of us, like our, it's the things that cause us to act and to react, this will, and then our emotions... And so often in churches, I don't know what the deal is, but we're, we're really, really good at the logical part of knowing God and knowing about him. We're really good at the head stuff. We just think we're all terrible in our will part of like, we're only going to sin and only do terrible things. And then our emotions, we're really scared of those. We've been told, don't be so emotional. But man, I don't know about you, but when I fell in love with my wife, when I fell in love when I first knew we were with my kids... It wasn't done. I just loved it with my mind. That's stupid. I mean, honestly. No, I loved them with the full fabric of my being. 
My mind and my will and my emotions were all working harmoniously together to experience the fullness of a love for them. And I would say this. I'm unashamed to say this morning that when I'm talking about, talking about loving God, I'm talking about having all three of these parts awaken my mind, my will, and my emotions. The fabric of who I am, being created in the image of God, and being loved fully and, and loving with my full being. And so when I talk about this year being expressing this, this, this full life, right? Fully living, living for, being saved for, it begins, I believe, with this fully experiencing and praying into and asking God to awaken inside of us the full expression of His love for us. I'm not talking touchy-feely garbage. I'm talking the fullness of it. It causes conviction and joy at the same time. That it creates an awareness of my disharmony with God, but, his, but the harmony He's created all at the same time. The, the part of, I'm so, un, like that part that, that, that um, Tim Keller's naming, I'm, I'm so unlovable, but I'm so loved. I mean, I want, that's a goal, 2015. God, continue to awaken love, your love for me inside of me. Because when I know that I'm loved by you, everything in life just seems to, to be much more clear. Difficulties seem to be that much more bearable. Because I know that you support, you encourage, you're for me, and you love me. Which then leads to the second part. A life fully lived expresses the love of Jesus. I mean, I'm so tired of selfish Christians. Like, I'm tired. Like, if you're, if you're only selfish in your love, that you only come to a Sunday service so you can get something from Jesus to make you feel better, if you only want me to, to talk to someone so that you can get something from them so they'll make you, you feel better, and, you, and your whole Christian life is about what Jesus can do to make you happy and to feel better, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of selfish Christians. I'm tired of people who only want to experience love of Jesus, who are going to appear on Sunday morning and put their hands in the air and worship. Oh, make me feel better. Jesus, love me. Help me experience you. I want to feel you this morning. Make me feel better. Oh, this is so great. And then I leave saying, let's keep on doing that all week as I live my life. I'm tired of it. As a waste of being a Christian, it's a waste of a life, and it's a waste of being called the church. It is, God is looking for people who will live a life fully expressing the love of Jesus to those who are dying, who are destitute, who are marginalized, and who are oppressed, and are living separated from Him. Whether it's physical slavery they're living in, or spiritual slavery, He wants to set them free, and He's looking for people, Christians, followers of Jesus, to do it through, who will worship Him, and then immediately say, now what do you have for us? Humankind, Genesis 1.26, humankind is made in the image and made in the likeness of God. God is love. And therefore, to be like God and to be what we are meant to be, humankind must also love in the way, sacrificially, as Christ, as Paul expressed so eloquently in Philippians 2, Jesus 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but willfully took the nature of a servant and even to the point of death for the purpose of someone else. Death on a cross. Dear friends, verse 11 of 1 John 4, since God so loved us, and the manner in which he loved us, and the way in which he loved us, we also ought to love one another. We cannot do it in our own strength. That's the nature. We remember, I couldn't save myself, I can't save myself, and I will not be able to save myself. I didn't love in my own strength, I can't love in my own strength, and I will not be able to love in my own strength, right? It's clear that God expects us, though, to love others. And herein lies the truth of fully living. I am able to love, but we read here, because he first loved me. And the outgrowth of my love for others finds its source... It finds its source in the fullness of God's love experienced in my life. For it's only by knowing God that we learn to love, and it's only by loving that we learn to know God. Love comes from and love leads us to God. So this morning, we celebrate in remembrance what we've been saved from. And we worship God. We thank Him for it. We live in saying, God, I've experienced now your love, and I want to love you back, and I want to continue to experience your love. So why? So that, not just so I can absorb it for myself and keep it for myself, but so that I can express it and continually, every day, living, a, living my full life, now give it away. And stop hoarding all of your gifts, and stop hoarding your love for myself, and stop hoarding all of these things just for me, but living my life for, because I've been saved from as an action for an opposite and equal reaction of being saved for the purposes of living life fully, giving it away in the sacrificial way in which Jesus did. Doesn't mean I can, but we do that by continually experiencing his love and continually expressing his love through us. Experiencing and expressing. Experiencing and expressing. Listen, harvest and come, because here's how I want to end. 2014. Listen, I know you came today to church just because it's the last one of the year. I mean, look, you're the holy ones. You came to the one service, right? You didn't skip today, praise God. Just kidding, that was a joke. But you are holy because of Jesus. We came today to, to be together. Hopefully you didn't come because somebody dragged you. But even you came dragged today. Remember what he did for you. Remember and celebrate what you've been saved from. Ponder the weight and the gravity of fallenness. And then recognize you've been saved from that to be saved for the purposes of experiencing Him fully and expressing Him fully. And ask yourself right now, and pray through it, and ask God to lead you. God, I want to experience you mind, will, and emotions. The fullness of your love for me. Not me, to listen, not defining for Jesus how He's allowed to love you. But you let Him love you in the way that you want to love your children, with your whole fabric, the fabric of your whole being, so when they go to bed at night, they go, my mom loves me. 
I mean, listen, when we talk about God, He expresses the Father heart of God and the Mother heart of God all at the same, God, all at the same time. All those pieces and the fabric, the mother heart and father heart, he expresses because he has no sex. He loves fully. He loves completely. I, listen, I don't know about you, but I want to be awakened to that. I want to know it with the fabric of my being that I wake up, I may be in tears about my life, but I know his love for me that defines everything. And when I experience it, I don't want to keep it for myself. God, I want to tell God to everybody, God loves you. I heard that before, but you just don't, oh, I just want to pray to everyone. I want you to experience with your mind and your will and your emotions. I know how hard your life has been. I know there's so many questions you have, but he loves you fully. And I want to live my life sacrificially so that you can know it. And it's going to cost you everything. When Jesus bids a man come, he bids him to come and to die to everything of self and selfishness so you can live fully for Him. So let's pray this morning. Jesus, I recognize, God, these words are futile apart from the movement of Jesus. And I'm asking this morning, God, everything that is hindering us from experiencing and being awakened fully to the true nature of your love for us that God you would remove it you would tear down every lie you would tear down every pain, every wound Jesus that literally presents itself and keeps us from experiencing Jesus every bit of knowledge that we have accrued in life that literally keeps us from believing and and fully knowing the love of Jesus remove it Jesus because we want to experience you fully. And then, God, I ask for grace. I ask for your help. Because, God, when we receive your love, all we really want to do is just sit there and receive more and more and more and more. But we know that the call you have in our life is to express it, to give it away and give it away and give it away. Father, as we step into this new year, may we be able to say the testimony. I just pray this over our people. At the end of this year, May we be able to say as the people, we experienced the love of God fully, and we fully expressed the love of God everywhere that we went. We messed up, but He was still faithful. We ask for help this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. In our response.